Jnanamagyanatimirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Siddhantot Palasaranityarasikam Hang Samvilasatmakam Audariyakya Sudhama Sevakadhanam Vishrambha Bhakti Pradam Yacha yukti vichakshanam tvagabido, vaishishta shaktya sada, vandeham tripurari namakayatim shri bhakti vedantinam. Namaom vishnu padaya, krishna preshtaya bhutale, swami shri bhakti vedanta prabhupadayate namaha. Gurvagyam shirasi dritva, Shaktya Vesha Svarupine Hare Krishna Timantrena Paschatya Prachatarine Vishvacharya Prabharyaya Divya Karunya Murtaye Shri Bhagavata Madhurya Gita Gyana Pradayine Gaura Shri Rupa Siddhanta Saraswati Nishevine Radha Krishna Padam Bhoja Vringaya Gurave Namaha Vancha Kalpataru Bhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyayevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Godadaye Pushpavanto Chitra Sangotamonado Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Eva Kevalam, Kalo Nastyeva, 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 Gatiranyatam. So welcome again, Krishna Kumari, and anyone who is watching on YouTube or who will listen later to the podcast. Um, this is part four, uh, and the last one of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in Numbers. And um, I have thought of some uh, lists for today. And um, first, I want to just uh, tie in with the previous episode a little bit. Uh, it was about uh, like uh, the. It was I was going from uh, Swayam Bhagavan Shri Krishna and and down to where we are and. Um, connecting all the dots between. Um, there are several uh, Vishnu manifestations in between Krishna and us. And, and I think I want to make a correction uh, because I said that Kshirudakashai Vishnu would be kind of the, the, the last manifestation of, of Vishnu, but I think uh, Anantashesh actually might be and, and Anantashesh is a very interesting name because Ananta is, means unlimited or in, infinite, um, without end, uh, literally. And Shesha means uh, remainder. So after all these uh, Vishnu form, uh, like Swayam Bhagavan, and then the two uh, sets of, of Chaturvyuhas, and then the um, the 20 other forms that come out of the second Chaturvyuha, 
and then the uh, the three Purusha avatars. Um, so, so like when you have all of those, that then like Shesha uh, means like remainder. So like whatever is left after all of that um, is, is still is still infinite, um, and it is represented in, in uh, Ananta Shesha. So the the kind of the, the infinite remainder uh, of of the absolute and. Um, of course, Garbhodakasha uh, Vishnu is is resting on him, um, and uh, uh, just as a as a way of um, uh, to help memorize, there there is uh, there's another list, um, like, like we have the the twenty four uh, Vishnu forms that come out of the first Chaturvyuha uh, and they are differentiated by uh, in which arm they are holding the, their four weapons. Um, so, so, so there's also uh, there's a list of 24 gurus. Um, of course this is uh, not like a like a fixed list, I'm, I'm sure this data um, treya in Srimad Bhagavatam uh, would have infinite gurus. to see gurus everywhere, but uh, there are 24 gurus listed in the Uddhava Gita of uh, the Avanti, Avanti Brahmana or data uh, treya, as he has also been identified. Uh, and uh, this is interesting because. Um, um, uh, our Padmanabha Maharaj has has kind of made a, uh, a funny way of um, uh, speaking about the, the, the Guru Parampara uh, as uh, uh, GPS. Uh, so, so like like we have the, the GPS, the, the global positioning system. Uh, Maharaj made, made this made this kind of wordplay that uh, uh, the Guru parampara system is gps uh, and of course it's a very nice uh, analogy because um uh, like like have like having uh, kind of full, fully imbibing the teachings of the guru parampara then then you kind of uh, you you know where you are and you know where where you're going and so it's it is like have, having a gps and um so in, in this chapter in the Bhagavatam where the where the, the 24 gurus are, are listed, like it's talking about how you cannot uh, you can't learn everything from, from one guru. Um, and, and of course the, the teaching is to have one diksha guru, but then, then like um, like the more you uh, focus on, on your one guru, you will be able to see more gurus around you. you. You'll be able to see your one guru in other uh, people, in other, in other things, things you um, observe. Um, uh, and like your, your guru, your personal guru uh, that you took initiation from may not be with you all the time, but um, if you, if you, 
if you imbibe his teachings, then you will be able to see them in everything. And, and in this way, everything will become your guru. Um, and, and of course, you, uh, you can have shiksha gurus who, who help you uh, understand uh, the philosophy. Mahaprabhu had something like six gurus, I, I believe. Um, I just heard them mentioned by, by Maharaj the other day. Um, um, how is that? Uh, Gangadas Pandit is his, uh, his school teacher. Uh, and then Ishvara Puri is his Diksha Guru. Um, then he has his Sanyas Guru uh, in, uh, in Katwa. And then his uh, Ramananda Roy is like a Shiksha Guru for him, uh, and, and so on. Um, so, so in this, uh, but, but, but it's interesting that uh, it, is, it is 24 Gurus listed in, in the Uddhava Gita, in the Bhagavatam. Uh, and uh, in relation to this analogy with GPS, um, because the, the, the minimum uh, amount of sa satellites required to have a functioning GPS is 24. So, so when they had 24 satellites up uh, in, in the atmosphere, then they could start operating the GPS uh, system. Uh, so, so, so that is just a nice way to, to like uh, kind of um, tie these, these points to. Um, so I was thinking to uh, just look at some of, some of the of the gurus of the Avanti Brahmana. Uh, the first guru is uh, the Earth. Uh, here, quote: From the Earth, I learned that when one is overcome by the elements of material nature through one's destiny one should not swerve from the spiritual path. From the earth's trees and mountains, I have also learned to be selfless. And so I am ready to act for the benefit of others like the trees. And of course, this, this we also see in, in Mahaprabhu um, and, and in Krishna Lila. Uh, like in, in Krishna Lila, there's a... Um, a section where uh, Krishna is glorifying the trees of Vrindavan um, after the episode with the the wives of the of the Vedic Brahmanas who, who wouldn't uh, who wouldn't give Krishna and Balaram the food that was meant for their sacrifice. Um, then Krishna is is kind of comparing uh, these stingy Brahmanas with the generous. Uh, trees uh, and of course we also see this in Mahaprabhu in the third verse of Shikshashtakam how Mahaprabhu is kind of also has the trees as his guru that they're teach, teaching him tolerance um, um, to be as the verse says to be tolerant like a tree then uh, the next guru is the air the Brahmin's second guru was the air. In the yogic worldview, air is of two kinds, that which flows around us 
and that which is present within the body. The latter is also known as prana or life air. The prana does not require excessively rich or good tasting foods to remain in the body. And so the Brahmin took this lesson that one should only eat as much as one needs to keep one's intelligence awake and one's mind and speech sharp. The pleasure of the senses itself should not be the object of our sense activities. So there's also a verse in the first canto of the Bhagavatam. Uh, I can't remember the, all the Sanskrit, but Jivasya Tattva, that your life should be lived for uh, knowledge of the self, Jivasya Tattva, and not for... Um, uh, not, not for the... Like, you shouldn't live for the sake of uh, enjoyment. Of course, we will enjoy uh, and suffer uh, that is just part of life, but, but we shouldn't make it make it the central focus uh, of our life. And the Avadut here, uh, the Brahmin learned this from the air. Um, the third guru is the sky. The sky from whom he had learned about the all-pervasive nature of the soul and its transcendence. On the other hand, uh, on the one hand, the all-pervading sky makes no distinctions as to moving or non-moving, conscious or unconscious beings. It is present in all equally. Similarly, the yogi recognizes that God is present in all beings equally, and so makes no distinctions between them. Uh, so so that, that is a very nice point of uh, inclusivity, not, not thinking us and them, not even about... Uh, stones. Um, the fourth guru is uh, water. The Brahmin's fourth guru was the water with its natural, natural purity and purificatory qualities. In its natural state, water is clear, refreshing, and sweet. Saintly persons are similar to water in that they are simple, pure, and kind. Moreover, the Brahmin said, they transform and sanctify every place they flow. The Sanskrit word for holy place is Tirtha, which means a crossing. India's many holy rivers were considered places where one crossed over into the spiritual realm. In the Bhagavatam, King Yudhishthira uh, says this to saintly uncle Vidura. Great devotees like you are places of pilgrimage in yourselves. Indeed, you are what makes the places of pilgrimage truly holy, for you carry the Lord in your heart. So it's kind of thinking of water, then you think of rivers, you think of holy rivers, you think of um, the holy people that reside there. And um, and it is, it is the holy... Uh, uh, the holy people along the holy rivers that makes the rivers uh, holy. But so, so if you can, if you can just make, like make these connections, then like whenever you just hear the word water or sea water, you will think of saints. And um, let's see, that that is one thing. Uh, my 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 guru Maharaj brings that up in his Bhagavad Gita commentary that. Um, 
that uh, we should we should kind of train our, our mind so that everything reminds us of Krishna. And like I, I was thinking of one way to to do that is to um, is that like when you when you try to focus on Krishna but you kind of start start thinking about other things then then kind of try to try to see how 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 that happened like uh, in in what way um uh, what were you thinking about krishna that made you think about something else which in turn made you think about another thing and, and so on so that then you take that thing and, and you flip it around so, so that uh when you think of that thing again you think oh actually this can remind me of krishna if i just reverse uh, the process. Um, the fi the fifth guru is fire. From fire, the Brahmin said he had learned about not allowing himself to be affected by the things he consumed. A sage who has been made uh, spiritually effulgent like fire through austerities develops infallible powers of digestion. Even if he eats inedible things, he is not negatively affected. Um, so, so, of course, like, uh, it is, like, I, I take this more, uh, like, not like the, the, the like literal uh, meaning here, like not that uh, the point of becoming highly spiritually re realized is that you can eat uh, inedible things, but that, that you can you can handle situations, uh, difficult situations, which um, less capable people cannot handle without becoming disturbed. Uh, so, uh, in the same way that, that fire can just consume anything, if you if you put anything in, in fire, it, it'll just burn it, and it's it's not gonna affect the fire. It's it's only gonna help the fire. Um, let's see, the sixth guru is the moon. The Avanti Brahmin's sixth guru was the moon. The moon goes through various phases during its monthly cycle, but the fullness or darkness of the moon at the beginning and end of each fortnight are only appearances. The moon itself remains unchanged. Similarly, each of us is a spiritual being that essentially remains unchanged even through all the changes of the body. So, so that's, that's a very... Uh, simple uh, analogy uh, there, there is the, um, the Bhagavad Gita verse uh, quoted here also in a commentary um, that um, just as we pass from early age to, to old age uh, the, the body uh, the soul does not change uh, in the same way that the moon uh, may, may look look different in different times of the month, but it's it's always the same moon. So that is something we can uh, be reminded of when we look at the moon. Uh, I think we are like now somewhere. Uh, I think it's like half moon or something right now. Um, like midlife. Uh, the seventh guru is the sun. 
the sun evaporates large quantities of water with its potent rays, but then releases it to the earth in the form of rain. In the same way, a yogi may take possession of all types of material objects, but redistributes them when a worthy person in need is present. Thus, both in accepting and giving up the objects of the senses, he is not entangled. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, of course, very reminiscent of uh, the verse in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that uh, defines um, uh, yukta vairagya. Uh, that is a, a very important term. That um, it means to um, uh, to give up things by engaging them is kind of the the, the translation. Um, uh, so sometimes uh, it, it is confused with another idea that is called uh, arop siddha bhakti, um, because yukta vairagya means uh, that you you are not attached. To, to the things that you are engaging in Krishna service, like not materially attached. Um, so, so like, for example, if someone uh, likes to play guitar um, and, and they, they don't, they don't want to give it up because they have uh, a material attachment to it, uh, it, it is not yukta vairagya to play guitar in a kirtan, for example, but it can be arop siddha bhakti to, to do so. Um, so it's it's nothing wrong, but it's good good to to know what is what, um, so that we we keep uh, we stay aware of where we are and where we are going, and not get ahead of ourselves. Um, bhakti. This the second uh, thing is to assign bhakti to something that is not inherently bhakti. Uh, things that are inherently bhakti are things like shravanam, kirtanam, smaranam, uh, to hear about Krishna, to chant Krishna's names, uh, talk about Krishna, uh, remember Krishna. Th those th those things are inherently bhakti. Um, they don't have they they cannot be made into bhakti because they are all, are already bhakti. Some something like like playing guitar is not bhakti in in itself, but you can engage guitar playing in bhakti. Um, the, the eighth guru is the pigeon. Once upon a time, there was a pigeon that lived in a forest along with his wife. Uh, kind of cute to think of uh, pigeons as married, I think. He built a nest in a tree and lived there with, with her for several years. The hearts of the two pigeons were bound together with great affection. They only had eyes for each other, and their every thought was for the other. Naively trusting in the future, they enjoyed their lives as a loving couple among the trees of the forest. The pigeon was so devoted to his wife that he fulfilled her every desire, no matter how demanding. Then the female pigeon experienced her first pregnancy. When the time arrived, she filled the nest with eggs, where she sat on them until they hatched. The two pigeons became most affectionate to their children with their tender limbs and feathers, and took great pleasure in listening to their chirping 
which though still unformed, sounded very sweet to them. And they began to raise them lovingly, taking happiness in their happiness. One day, the pigeon uh, parents went out to find food for the children. During their absence, a hunter caught sight of the fledglings as they hopped, hopped about near the nest. He spread out his net and captured them all. When the adult pigeons returned, they saw their empty nest and soon realized that their babies were caught in the hunter's net. Overwhelmed with anguish, the mother cried out and rushed toward her young as they appealed to her for help. Her judgment completely clouded by despair, she rushed toward the net in a frantic attempt to free her helpless children. The hunter was waiting quietly nearby and immediately trapped her as well. Then it was the father's pigeon's turn. So the father pigeon's turn. Seeing both his children and his wife, who were as dear to him as life itself, fatally bound in the hunter's nest, he began to lament wretchedly. He said, what a fool I am. My family life has been destroyed, leaving me unsatisfied and unfulfilled. I must have done something truly wicked for this to have happened to me. My wife was perfect for me. She loved me and was always devoted and faithful. Now she has gone with our children, leaving me behind in an empty home to grieve. The grief was so great that the father pigeon lost all will to live. Completely mesmerized by the sight of his family struggling in the net and dying, he too fainted and fell into the cruel hunter's clutches. The hunter, considering his day's work a great success, went home. The lesson the Avadhut drew from this drama he had himself witnessed was that too much attachment to material pleasures results in pain and deception. He used the word kripana or miser to describe the attitude of the pigeon, recalling the words of the Upanishads. O Gargi, one who goes through life and dies without coming to know the imperishable supreme truth is truly a miser. But one who goes through life and dies after coming to know the imperishable supreme truth is truly a Brahmin. So, of course, this is a very uh, harsh uh, story, and it's uh, with something of a jnana emphasis, like emphasis on uh, renunciation and uh, detachment. Um, uh, of course, if, the, if this was a uh, bhakta, pigeon it, it's uh, there is like there is nothing uh, uh, nothing wrong with with how, how the how the pigeons uh, reacted and of course it's uh, completely natural but, but it's, it's it's anyway showing if, if that is um, whether it was a hunter or or just time itself um, if you are absorbed uh, only in caring for uh, things that come and go um, and then you will not have have anything any any lasting uh, sense of self or um, or happiness uh, the ninth guru is the python the avatut's ninth guru was the python this great snake lies quietly for great lengths of time without searching for food. Rather, it waits for its prey to come to it. 
If nothing comes to it, it is capable of tolerating hunger. Uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati states, most of us are furtive in our eagerness to satisfy our ever-demanding senses. We should learn to tolerate these demands without giving in to them. So a qu quite simple uh, lesson. You, you, you just, you trust that things will come when, uh, when they need to come and you, you, uh, you, 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 know, you trust Krishna in that and um, and uh, take take opportunities as they come. The tenth guru of the Avanti Brahman is the uh, the ocean, uh, from which he learned that one should not be disturbed by the thoughts and desires that constantly enter the mind. In the rainy season, the rivers constantly enter the ocean without raising its level. In the dry season, the rivers are reduced to a trickle, yet the ocean's level is not diminished. So too does a self-realized sage remain level-headed in all circumstances because of his deep understanding of his eternal spiritual identity. And, and of course, this is the same teaching as in the end of the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, which um, Shripad Ashram Maharaj um, has been going through here recently. Uh, there, uh, Krishna says in a verse there, the ocean is constantly being filled by the rivers that flow into it, but it, uh, but it remains deep and unchanging. Similarly, one who recognizes that sensual desires are constantly flowing into him will attain peace and not the person who increases his desires by attempting to fulfill them all. So we can fulfill some of them, but uh, not all of them. And <laughs> a very nice contrast here, the, uh, the tenth guru was the ocean. Uh, the eleventh guru is a moth. So from something very, very vast to something very, very small. And you can learn from all of them. Uh, the Avadut took this lesson from the moth. Uh, the sense objects attract us with their beauty, but they lead to our destruction, just as a moth is drawn into the light of the fire to its death. Um, this is also uh, mentioned in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, just as moths rush into the bright flames of the fire, meeting their destruction, so too do all these worlds rush with great speed into the mouths of your universal form, they're meeting their death. The world is also a form of the Lord, known as his universal form. However, one who sees it as the object of enjoyment instead of service is like the moth, which mindlessly follows the light and falls to his death. As an object of enjoyment, the phenomenal world is a creation of Krishna's illusory power. And um, uh, we stay in the uh, insect uh, world for the 12th guru, which is the bee or the honeybee. From the honeybee, the mendicant took several lessons. 
The bee goes from flower to flower, taking just a sample of what each has to offer. One should take only small mouthfuls when one eats, taking only enough to maintain the body. One should not stay as a guest in anyone's home to the extent that it disturbs them. This is called the honeybee's way of life. The bee that becomes greedy and continues to drink the nectar from a flower for too long risks being trapped after the sun sets and the flower's petals close. Of course, in this example, as in others, the mendicant was speaking of the hermit's way of life, of someone who depended on charity to maintain body and soul together. There are still some renunciates in Vrindavan who live in this way. The six Goswamis, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's beloved companions, are described following a regime of this sort. Krishnadas Kaviraj says, Renunciation is the predominating characteristic of every one of Mahaprabhu's devotees. When Lord Gauranga sees their renunciation, he is very pleased. So yes, we, we, we hear how the, uh, the Goswamis were uh, begging, but, but, but some not even begging, um, but, but just, um, uh, or we have like Madhavendra Puri who, who wouldn't even, even beg, he would just sit and wait. And if no one, no one gave him food, then, then he would fast that day. So that, that's, that sounds, sounds more like, uh, the Python described earlier. Um, of course, he, he was very active internally in, in, in serving Krishna, so it's, uh, it, it's not, not about being uh, devotionally inactive uh, in any way, these, uh, these examples. Um, the 13th guru uh, is an elephant. Um, like the moth, the elephant is led to destruction by desire. In India, wild elephants were typically captured by using captive cow elephants to lead them towards a pit into which the lusty bull would fall. The lesson there is, once again, that a renunciate should not allow himself to be influenced by attraction to the opposite sex. Um... For the householder, of course, the lesson is the same. One should remain satisfied with one's spouse as long as they are true partners in the cultivation of spiritual life. The wife or husband who helps to cultivate one's relationship with Krishna becomes satsanga or beneficial association. It says, on the other hand, if one quits one's husband or wife because they interfere with one's sensual pleasure, then this will not lead to auspiciousness. Lord Brahma says, fear follows one who has no control over the mind, even in the forest, far from temptation, because his six enemies, lust, anger, greed, envy, intoxication, and illusion, which is another uh, common number, we had like the six, uh, the six enemies, uh, accompany him wherever he goes. But what harm can uh, living with one's wife and children do to one who has conquered his senses, is self-satisfied and awake to the spiritual purpose of his life? So one can be uh, a true uh, devotee householder and one can be a false renunciate. Of course, one could also be 
the opposite of a false householder or one could be a true renunciate so we want to be true and that's the that's the teaching here uh so we had uh the bee here earlier and now we have another honey gatherer of course the uh the bee doesn't well the bee, the the bee gathers pollen and makes honey but then we we have the honey gatherer as guru number 14 here in ancient indian society some people specialized in gathering wild honey from hollow trees and other places where bees made their hives the avadhut said to the king some miserly people are like the bees who gather honey and store it they neither enjoy this wealth themselves nor do they share it what happens is that to them uh, no, what happens to them is that someone else comes along and takes everything they have like the honey gatherer who takes all the bees accumulated honey the holy mendicants who come to the householders and ask for charity give them the chance to engage their wealth in productive ways that will bring them eternal benefit so that is the yeah the the, the bhikshu the uh, the monks who beg beg from door to door they uh, and they will engage the they will engage whatever they get in, in, in Krishna's service. So in this way, they're engaging everyone in, in Krishna's service. Um, this is also a way one can think of one's work. For example, if, if one is, um, if, if one is, is working and, and engaging the money in, in Krishna's service, then, then you're also engaging uh, the people that the people that you got the money from. Uh, the 15th guru is the deer. A monk should never listen to, to mundane songs or gossip, for these will enchant him into forgetfulness of his spiritual goal. In ancient India, hunters would play a flute or some other musical instrument to attract the deer, which they would then kill. So, so that's the analogy here. It's like uh, you, you may hear some some sweet some sweet tune and it is like the deer hunter uh, using um using a flute to to, uh, to attract you in, into uh, material uh, uh, pleasures and then uh, uh kill you in the analogy but of course bring you away from a spiritual life with which is like death the 16th guru is the fish. Uh, the lesson given by the fish is, is not to be too attracted to nice foodstuffs. The fish sees the bait, but not the hook. Of all the senses, says the avadhut, the tongue is the most difficult to control. Someone who has been able to overcome the desire to, to please all the other senses will still be tempted by the tongue. So this is of this we hear in uh, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Prasadam prayer uh, that, that we say every day before uh, honoring Prasadam, that the tongue is the most difficult to, to control. So and but Krishna is so merciful that he he comes he comes in a form form that captures the tongue uh, through uh, Krishna Prasadam. 
and uh, of course we are meant to um, to kind of transcend uh, the kind of that kind of relationship that we are simply out uh, we are simply searching seeking for for material enjoyment and uh, Krishna is is catching us by coming in a, in a form that looks like material enjoyment uh, it is like the verse in the Bhagavatam that says that um, uh, that a sort of like a mundane type of relationship with a spiritual person uh, is, is still uh, the doorway to liberation but it, it doesn't mean that you will attain liberation by maintaining uh, a mundane relationship with a, with, with a spiritual person but, but for, like in the beginning it may be mundane like you may have the same kind of affection for uh, your, your guru that you that you would have for uh, a family member like a father or mother or, or brother or, or so but but, but you uh, you will gradually transcend that uh, but, but it is very good and important to have that in the beginning The guru number 17 uh, is the prostitute Pingala. The Avadut then told the story of the prostitute Pingala, his 17th guru. Though his uh, description comes at the end of the second of the three chapters in this section of the Bhagavatam, Pingala is special in that she is the only human guru named and is the only one whose teachings are given in her words rather than through her example or through a deduction. She is also exceptional in that she is named elsewhere in the Bhagavatam, namely in the Gopi's reply to the letter Uddhavar delivered on Krishna's behalf after his departure from Vrindavan. Pingala lived in the ancient city of Videha. She would stand in front of her house on the street, watching the men as they walked by sizing them up and speculating whether they were prospective clients or not. Does this fellow have money? That one looks rich. Will he pay me well? One night went by without a single customer and she anxiously went in and out of her doorway, gradually completely losing hope that anyone would come. She became morose and her face dried up. Then, despite her anxiety for money and her disappointment, she began to feel detachment, and this resulted in a feeling of freedom and joy. So she started to sing a song that is summarized as follows. Just see my illusion. Being unable to control my mind, I foolishly desire sexual pleasures from sinful men. I have brought myself so much suffering through selling my body to men who are mere slaves to their sex desires. How could I ever think that pleasure can come of this material body, which is full of stool and urine, covered by skin, hair and nails, and is constantly excreting foul substances? All the pleasures of this body, as well as those who bring them, are temporary. So how could I ever have placed any hope in any of them? I don't, I don't know what I have done to deserve Lord Vishnu's mercy, but he must have been pleased with me for he has shown me the pleasure that comes in, in freedom from the desire for hope, sorry, uh, from the desire and hope for money and material sense pleasure. 
so there he got some um, here here's some direct insights uh, coming coming from direct realization of uh, of, of this uh, 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 woman Pingala. The eighteenth guru is uh, the falcon. Accumulation of things leads to misery. One who knows this becomes an akinchana, someone who knows that nothing is truly his. To support this, he told the story of the falcon, or kurara bird. One day a falcon had a successful hunt and caught a mouse. Unfortunately, the other falcons had not caught anything, and so they ganged up on the first one, who immediately dropped his prey in order to save his life. In so doing, he was surprised to find that he attained peace of mind. So this is uh, interesting and beautiful. Um, I have a personal story about, about this, uh, this verse, and it was when I was living at Audarya, and um, it was at a time when uh, Shripad Ashram Maharaj was, was also living there. And he was giving a series of classes on these uh, these verses about the, the different gurus um, of the Avanti Brahman. And, and I had dreamt uh, during the night uh, uh, before this day that he gave that he gave the class on this verse. And I, I had and I saw in my dream uh, an animal that had caught another animal. But then a bigger animal came, so the smaller animal dropped its prey. And, and I woke up and I was thinking, like, what does this mean? Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't think of any. And I, I sometimes look in these like, like dream dictionaries and try to speculate. Um, but then, <laughs> then at night, uh, Ashura Maharaj like, read this verse and I was like, oh, here it is. <laughs> so so that, that's the, the, the power of the Holy Dom. Uh, you know, brings these elements together, like brings the the Shastric study into the uh, realm of dreams. And uh, and here the, the the falcon attained peace of mind to, to his own surprise. So, so it's similar to, to, to Pingala. Like he, he had to give up what he had accumulated, but he, he dropped it and um, um, attained peace of mind. So they didn't have to uh, tear it from him or anything. He just dropped it and, and was peaceful. So, so sometimes revelations can come, come uh, in a flash like that, uh, very mercifully. Uh, the 19th guru is the innocent child. Uh, the Avadhut then said, I am indifferent to praise and insult. I have no worries for wife or children. I take pleasure and joy in my own being. In this way, I go through life like an innocent child. There are two kinds of persons who are free of worry. One is the fool, one is bewildered, uh, one who is bewildered and stupid, and the other is the sage who is beyond the entanglements of material nature. That is also uh, reflecting another verse in the Bhagavatam uh, that talks about this. Like the, the only two two happy people in this world is the fool and the self-realized, and everyone who is in between are uh, suffering. So it's 
uh, kind of uh, humorous. So when, when you see an innocent child, you can be reminded of uh, a self-realized saint. Um, the 20th guru uh, is the marriageable daughter. Uh, so the 20th lesson came from a young girl whose parents were looking to get her married. One day, when she was alone at home, several suitors came to seek her hand. Since no one else was there, she herself greeted them. While she was preparing a meal for them, the bangles of her, of her wrists made a great deal of noise. Ashamed that she was making a sound that disturbed her guests and suitors, she broke her bangles one by one leaving only a pair on each wrist. When she returned uh, to cutting vegetables again, however, the bangles again made a sound. So she slipped another off each wrist, uh, leaving only one. The Avadhut con concluded, when many people live together in a single dwelling, there is a lot of noise. Even when there are two people living together, there is still conversation. One should therefore live alone just like uh, just like the virgin's bangle <laughs> so this was a, a kind of um uh far-fetched <laughs> conclusion but, but this this shows like how the the the, the yogic uh mind works that you can uh, see teachings and everything um and of course we we are not uh, as devotees we are not uh, striving to, to, to live alone, but, but to have Sadhu Sangha, but, um, and th there the, um, like the point still holds because it says that the quality of a Vaishnav is, is to be silent. Uh, but uh, uh, talking, talking about Krishna does not count as, as, uh, as noise. <laughs> so like it's, a, it's a different kind of sound. So, that, so there, uh, in, in Sadhu Sangha, you can have many bangles on the wrist. Uh, guru number 21 is the arrow maker. There once was an arrow maker who was so absorbed in his work sharpening arrows that he did not even notice the passing of a king in great pomp and circumstance in the street just outside his workshop. Similarly, a yogi becomes so absorbed in the self that he does not care for inner or outer events. Uh, and this bring, brings to mind something we were discussing here a couple of days ago in our Bhagavatam uh, study gathering. Um, it was why uh, terms like Kama and Rati are used uh, uh, for, for Bhakti in our tradition when these words are more commonly um, about like material lust, for example, like Kama or Rati is also uh, the same. And, and Ambrigo gave the explanation that it's, uh, it, it kind of shows how intense uh, Bhakti is uh, in, in comparison to, to uh, simply having spiritual peace, to have this kind of spiritual passion that, that Bhakti is. So, so these kind of words that uh, may seem inappropriate um, are appropriate in that sense that they are that uh, uh, they describe the absorption. So here, here we had an arrow arrow maker who was so fixed on his 
his craft that he, he didn't even notice a uh, king passing by. And there is a story that uh, my Guru Maharaj tells in his introduction to aesthetic Vedanta, that there was a sage sitting and meditating and, and uh, in the forest and a, a girl was running through the forest because she was going to meet with her lover, with her secret lover. And she accidentally stepped stepped on the sage uh, without uh, without even noticing him because she was so so fixed on running to her lover. And uh, and this also illustrates the point because like first the, the the sage was disturbed that like here here I am sitting uh, meditating and and she just comes and she who is out after something. Um, as totally mundane it's just like stepping on me and and not even noticing but that but then he learned a lesson so he, he was kind of like this uh, like this avanti brahmin here who, who could like draw teachings from uh from things happening around him uh so he he uh the the teaching for him became that how much absorbed must she be um in what she's doing if she doesn't even notice that she's stepping on me and it means that she is more absorbed uh, than i am because if i would, would have been truly absorbed in my, in my spiritual practice i wouldn't have noticed um well first of all i wouldn't have been offended and second of all i wouldn't even have noticed that someone was stepping on me if i'm uh, absorbed in meditation uh fully um so, so we we have to become as, uh, I mean, as or, or more absorbed in uh, how people are absorbed in their material things, or how absorbed we are in <laughs> in material things. We have to become that absorbed in in spiritual things. Um, number twenty two is the snake. From the example of the snake, the Avadut said uh, he learned that a renunciate should live alone without any fixed home with invisible movements without depending on anyone and speaking little he says building one's own home is a source of distress ultimately it is a failure because no one lives forever the snake sets the example of living in a home made by someone else he enters that home and lives there happily this we can uh, i can testify to in in, in madhavan where, where the snakes come, comes and like lives in um like up like between the the ceiling and the roof like in the spaces there the snakes can crawl in and make uh, make a living space there uh, of course again here the teachings are kind of jnana oriented but they have their bhakti application as well by speaking of the spirit of renunciation uh, that is there even if you in engage things in krishna service number 23 uh, the spider the spider emits its thread from its own body creating a complex web and then uh, when its work is finished draws the thread back into itself similarly the supreme lord creates the universe out of himself and when the work of the creation has been completed, draws it back into himself. Uh, so he was re reminded of, of Mahavishnu there. Um, 
and then the, the last one is is the story of, of of the wasp it's um uh it, it is a bit of a long story and i i know uh, that uh, krishna kumari has to has to leave so i will uh leave that story the, the the basic thing is that what you meditate on is what you become that is the teaching of the story um so i will end with that and see if uh, if you have any comments Oh, yes. Hare Krishna. Oh, I just wanted to really thank you for this whole series of classes. It's been very instructive and really interesting <laughs> as well to explore um, Gaudi Vaishnavam and Vaishnavism in numbers. And yeah. from this class, I really um, liked the uh, the GPS analogy <laughs> with the Guru Paramparan system. And I could really see that. Um, how that fit together. And also, you know, the, the 24 gurus, it's so such a nice meditations and, and really instructive um, to go through those periodically, you know, it, it really um, reminds us of how to like train our minds like your guru, guru Maharaj was saying so that, you know, everything reminds us of Krishna and, and back and forth like that. Um, it really changes our perspective um, from you know, material conception to spiritual conception. And so I really uh, appreciated that as well. And thank you for sharing your, your dream <laughs> that you had about the Falcon. And I was just wondering, did you attain peace of mind <laughs> from your dream? Not from my dream, I, I was more curious. Uh -huh. I would just woke up with curiosity and then kind of the, you know, the answer came when, when Ashram, Ashram read the verse and that gave just some like uh, like uh, amazement. It was just uh, yeah. like a cool experience, which which made me you know remember that verse. Uh, right. Like, like um, out of all of them, you know, because the, 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 like there are so many that you may not remember all, but that one I will for sure remember because of that. So right, it'll stick in your mind. Um, the last thing I was just thinking of too is you know, the vast amount of numbers and our scriptures and, and how everything is all connected together. But ultimately, it leads us back to one number, which is the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna. And so, you know, I thought about it, how it, everything kind of gets reduced to that, but that's not really the right word. But mm -hmm. because the one becomes, again, yeah, the, the many, many, many. So, um, <laughs> Yes, I, I, I guess as um, to use a term that, that Maharaj, Padmanabha uh, Maharaj often uses, is everything converges in that. Yes. Instead yeah. of being reduced, but it converges. Yes, nice. So anyway, I do have to go. I'm sorry, but I wish it could go on and on. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you again. Hare Krishna. You so hope, hope you do more classes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you so much for your blessings and appreciation. Thank you. And thank you everyone and I